0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, April the 21st, 2022. It is currently 2.13 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live. Two stories above a street right here in Abilene, Texas. Yes, I'm coming to you From the second floor room, from the second story room of my home, on the second floor, does that make sense? The second floor room, the second story room, and yes, it overlooks a street in Abilene. To kind of paint that picture for you of where I'm coming to you live from, someone just popped into the chat on uh, the Spreaker app and said, good afternoon. It's good to know that the chat is working. Earlier, it wasn't working, so Good afternoon to you as well. I'm glad you could tune in and good afternoon to everyone else who may be listening. Whenever you may hear this, however you may hear this, wherever you are, we are always appreciative that you listen to us because, well, There's about 25 billion other things you could be listening to just right now. Just to give you an example, right now on the Sermons 2.0 app, there are currently 11 broadcasts going on, 11 live broadcasts going on. In fact, there was 12 just a second ago. So sometimes there's 30, sometimes there's 100. There's always not only the live broadcast going on. You just think of all the different podcasts available to you. There's always a lot. So thank you for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. But This is, this, you're going to be happy. This is going to be a a relatively short episode, but it's all going to be homework. It's going to be homework. I'm going to give you some things to work on. So welcome. Yes, this is another episode in our Bible study exercise. This Bible, the Bible study exercise series is designed to get you not just sitting. we, We try to move you from a passive listener to an active participant. We do this by dedicating typically one week to a passage of scripture. For the current Bible study exercise, we're dedicating basically eight weeks to a passage of scripture. But we uh, we do the podcast episodes, we give you homework, we give you assignments. There's curriculum that you can access for free. Uh, we want you to turn in those that homework and the, those assignments that you do by emailing me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, or you can submit them on our Discord channel, we have a we have a, a channel there just for the homework uh, to be submitted. So uh, please uh, participate if you would like. If you don't want to participate, we're still grateful that you are listening. But you know all of that. I know there's always new listeners, uh, but you you know all of that. So let's. Are you ready? You're ready to get started? Okay. We are currently working on Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter twenty four. You've been given lots of homework, lots of assignments. Hopefully, you are working on all of that. I'm going to we're gonna we're gonna skip a little bit here. Um, we're gonna skip some things that we're working on, and I will explain why. Right now, Matthew chapter twenty four. Let's explain what we've really been focused on. If you go to Matthew chapter twenty four. Uh, Verses, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna review very much here. But Matthew chapter 24, if you start in verse one, we know that Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. So there's Jesus; he's in the temple. He comes out of the temple, and well, everybody wants to talk about the buildings. In fact, the disciples come to him to say, "Look at all the buildings of the temple. Look at this." This is amazing. This is, this is just great. And, and they're all you know, admiring the buildings. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Pointing to those buildings. Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. All right, so he, they, they, everybody's talking about the temple and the buildings. Jesus says, look, everything's going to be destroyed. Everything's coming down which would be a shocking, startling bit of information. Jesus here gives a prophecy. He gives a prediction that that temple is going to be destroyed. In verse 3, we read, And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him and uh, privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? They want to know, when is this going to happen? And then Jesus begins the Olivet Discourse and starting in verse uh, 4, and he gives a very detailed answer that in Matthew goes all the way to the end of chapter 25, all the way to verse 46, a very lengthy, detailed answer to their question of when is this going to happen, all right? They want to know. Now, we know in church history, there has been debate and debate and debate and debate and debate about this passage of scripture we know that and we know that the big debate really comes down to uh, i guess you could say there are three positions right we, i think we could we'll, we'll summarize them at least for right now with three okay you will call them the historical position they believe that all that everything that this everything in Matthew 24 when Jesus starts telling them here's here's the signs to look for here's how you know what's going to happen that everything in Matthew 24 is pointing and that has it's already happened for us. It's historical that he prophesied the coming destruction of the temple. And that happened in 70 AD. So for them it was future, but for everyone after 70 AD, this is past. This is looking to the to history. This looking looking to the past. It's already been fulfilled. All right. You could refer to this as the preterist position if you want a more technical term. But it's I'll call it the historical position. This is all history. It's all been fulfilled, it's all done, it's all finished, it's over, it's, it's, it's done. The prophecy was fulfilled, literally, the temple was destroyed. All of the signs pointing to it happening were all fulfilled prior to 70 A.D., the preterist position. I've really been trying to make you familiar with that position. We went through church history. We went through the origins of the preterist position, which takes you back to the counter-reformation uh, of the Catholic Church. We we looked at all of that. We did, we did a pretty good overview of all of that. That's the, that's the historical view. Now, a lot of people don't like that, especially in modern-day evangelicalism, because it, when they read Matthew 24, it's all, all, they basically almost make everything future. But we'll just make sure the, the first view is the historical view or the past view or the preterist view. if, if Whatever terms you want to give it. I just like to say historical because it means when you're reading Matthew 24, even though Jesus is making a prediction, it's history for you. The prediction was in the past and the fulfillment was in the past. It's all history, right? The other view is the futuristic view or the futurist view. This is they see everything in Matthew 24 primarily everything as pointing to the future. They may try to argue that there's some of this can can relate to 70 AD, but they almost immediately ignore that. So I'm going to call them the futurist view that even if they claim not to be, that in practice they are. We looked at this yesterday in our live broadcast when we worked through the curriculum, and even though they said, "Well, some of this refers to 70 AD," Everything they said was future, 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 future. As even though they kind of just gave a passing acknowledgement that the destruction of the temple happened in 70 AD. So some of this refers to things that have already happened, but then immediately everything was future, 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 future. So there's the futurist view that everything in Matthew 24 is a prediction Jesus gave in the past, but all the fulfillments are, are in our future. They have not been fulfilled yet. All right. So, just make sure we understand that there's the we'll call this the historical view or the futurist view or the histo- the the uh, preterist view and uh, the futurist view. However, you want to to describe them. Preterist is the more technical term, and preterism is is the kind of the the, the system of eschatology here. And and we're, we are going to continue to work through Matthew twenty four probably Sunday night, going through Matthew twenty four from a preterist view. I've got the book right here written from a preterist view. We'll be working through that. That's that's what we were going to do last night, but plans change, things happen. All right. So the historical view yeah, Jesus was giving a prediction for the future, but that it's all been fulfilled now and our past. So it's historical for us. The other, the futurist view is Jesus was, uh, was giving a prophecy that pointed to the future, but it wasn't fulfilled completely in 70 AD. It's all the future, but this v- t- view, even though th- they tend to make everything future, even if they try to deny it, they make everything future, okay? Uh, okay, We're, someone's asking clarification on the, uh, the book written by R.C. Sproul called The Last Days According to Jesus. I'm going to say that as far as 70 A.D. is concerned, all right. I, I don't want to. I don't want to speak a. I don't want to give a complete, dogmatic assertion of everything R.C. Sproul believed about prophecy. But when it comes to Matthew 24, the all of it discourse and everything leading up to the destruction of the temple, it's full preterist. It's full preterist. It's all been fulfilled. It's all been fulfilled. All right. And we will see that if I have to clarify if I have to correct that, I will. Um, I've been through the book in the past, so I, I'm relying on my past reading. I, so I always feel nervous. But when we work through it again, I think that's what we're going to see that he's going to say everything in Matthew 24 related to the temple, all the signs, everything. It 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 was fulfilled. It was fulfilled. All right. So good. No problem. I'm glad I can answer that question. Now, so there's the historical view. There's the future view, and then we're going to call this. The both view. The both view says some of this refers to things that's in our past, in history. Some of this refers to things yet in our future. The both. Now, the problem is a lot of people who claim to be both actually are futurists because they put everything in the future. But there are those of us who, who try to say, hey, okay, I think I think we should first look to seventy A.D. and that we that everything was fulfilled there. I think we should at least entertain that thought, but then I think there's some of us who will come to a conclusion. I don't think that works. So some of this has to be future. The problem is with those who are both that middle view. The problem is no one can agree on exactly which. What pertains to just history alone, or what just pertains to the future? There's much disagreement in regards to this view. But this is kind of the view. What I'm trying to do is, I want to give you the preterist view, the historical view, and I'm going to try to give that, like, and their dogmatic assertions. And then we're going to test it. And then we're going to, I think we can already see that the, the future only view is just problematic because clearly they're asking about the destruction of the temple. So we know there. this has to be both in some way, shape, or form, but a lot of people who claim to be both ignore 70 AD and puts everything in the future. So we, we have to consider what, what in this has been fulfilled and what hasn't been fulfilled, and we have to be willing to do that work and be consistent. Now, a couple of key verses I want you to write down. First, I want you to write down Matthew 24, 14. Here's going to be some of your homework here, right? I I just wanted to turn on the microphone. Once again, just keeping your, I want to keep you engaged. That's all I want to do. I'm just right now turning on the microphone, keeping you engaged in the study, because this is going to be a long study. And I know what happens at the beginning of a study. Everyone gets excited. And then if you're not, if you don't keep people engaged, they will just drop to the wayside. And I don't want that. to. I want people to make this all the way to the end of this study. All right. So here we go. Matthew 24, 14. I want you to write down this reference. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I want you to write down Matthew 24, 14. And I gave you this homework last night, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna restate it here today. I want you to look up as many commentaries as you can find on Matthew 24, 14. I want you to even do a Google search. Has Matthew 24, 14 been fulfilled? And I want you to look for every argument. That states it has been fulfilled, and every argument that you can find that says it hasn't. And I want you just to summarize the arguments. Here are this is the basic argument for those who say it has. Here's the basic arguments for those who say it hasn't. Right? I think Matthew twenty four fourteen is a is a major important verse because it could signify. And I'm just going to throw this theory out there that twenty four four through thirteen all references things in the past. These these were all fulfilled prior to 70 AD. Verse 14 is the transition. And starting at verse 14, now we jump from the past fulfillment to things that are not yet. And 14 is that key. A lot of people will say amen to that. A lot of people will say amen to that. I'm not saying that that's true. I'm just saying we need to consider it. All right? Then, so then look at verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet uh, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. All right, now we have verse 14. I want you, now I want you to write down verse 15. I want you to find the cross-reference from Daniel. I want you to figure out the abomination of, of desolation. And I want you to, once again, look and see how all the, I want you to look in commentaries. You can do a search. Has the abomination of desolation been fulfilled, right? So I want you to look up the reference in Daniel. I want you to consider the words here in verse 15. And I want to ask, I want you to ask yourself, was this fulfilled in 70 AD? Was the gospel of the kingdom preached into all the world? And then verse 15, then did the abomination of desolation occur in 70 AD. Now, if verse 14 shows, if if we can show that 14 wasn't fulfilled and neither was 15, then we're on to a pretty good theory, right? Everything before 14, I think we can make an argument, was fulfilled. If 14 wasn't fulfilled and neither was 15, then we're seeing a, 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 a turning point in the text. This is what's history for us, and here's what's future for us, and it's a very clear, nicely divided passage. Now, we'd have to go see if that works in Mark and Luke. We're not going to do that right now, but I just want you to, the abomination of desolation. What is that? What is that? A lot of people are immediately going to say the abomination of desolation is when the Antichrist is revealed on earth, and he's going to walk into the temple, he's going to declare himself to be God. They clearly point this to the future. That's where many evangelicals point it to, right? Again, I've stated this in a number of of messages already. I don't care about the teams. I don't care if, if it's team dispensational, team all millennial, team preterist, team futurist. I don't care about pleasing the team. I don't care if all the teams get mad at me. The key is to try to figure out what's the best way to handle this text. And if we can have the abomination of desolation occurring in 70 AD, then we're not looking for a future one. A lot of people would go to 2 Thessalonians, but 2 Thessalonians was written like 50-something A.D., and clearly what that's referencing could have occurred in 70 A.D. as well. So we got to look at the dating of the books. All right? So, But find the cross-reference for Daniel and do that. That's, That's pretty simple. Verse 14, verse 15. All right? Now, one other verse I want you to write down. All right? I want you to write down verse 34. Matthew 24, verse 34. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Matthew 24, 34. This generation shall not pass. Now, here I want you to look up commentaries and look up at every explanation and every definition of this generation. And I want you to just summarize their arguments. Some define this generation as this. Some define this generation as this. Some say this generation is any generation who sees these signs. Therefore, it's not specific. It could be, well, any generation who sees these signs. But then you have to ask yourself, which signs? Is it only referring to the immediate signs that come right before it? Or is it referring to the signs going all the way back to verse 4? Because every generation have seen the signs starting in verse 4 and following. So we, we have to figure out what it means. So I want you to look up verse 14. I want you to look up commentaries, right? Has this been fulfilled? Yes or no? I want you to look at the arguments for and against the abomination of desolation. I want you to find the cross-reference in Daniel and I want you to look at, at all the commentaries and find the best arguments for that it has been fulfilled or it hasn't been fulfilled. Then I want you to go to Matthew 24 verse 34. I want you to look up commentaries for this generation and I want you to just the art what how do they define this generation? Because if if that I mean depending on how you read that everything in the chapter had to be fulfilled. Well, for that for that gener for the generation that he was speaking to, unless you don't make that it's not that generation, it's a different generation. Or the term generation means a long period of time. Like you're gonna have to do some work on that. All right? Those are absolutely critical verses. Those three are critical: 2414, 2415, and 243. These are absolutely critical, all right? So if you focus on those three, then I think that you, well, one, I want you to be exposed to all the different perspectives and all the different answers and all the different views, right? So that's one thing I want you to do. Um, and a second thing is I think that, that there's going to be a lot that maybe we can't figure out, but these three may be very instrumental in trying to, to create what we can know. Now, once you've done that, <laughs> here we go, all right? Now, you ready? I want you to stay, right, you got to stay with me here because you're going to get a little, con- I don't want anyone to get confused, but if you get confused, please say something in the chat. All right, here we go. All right, and, and, or you can say it in the Discord channel and I will check that, or you can email me. I would, I would like to know before I end this broadcast if someone is confused, but I want you to put your thinking caps on, all right? We're going to come to Matthew 24, starting in verse 36. And I want you to think of verse 36 and following, not in light of things not yet. I want you to consider 2436 in light of 70 AD. All right. Now, we've given some verses we have to try to figure out. Wait a minute. Do the, which ones, do, you know, have they been fulfilled? Have they not been fulfilled? Plenty of work to do there. But here I want you to consider the next verses, specifically in light of 70 AD, which is when the temple was destroyed. Remember, one of your assignments was to read Josephus's account of that horrible, horrible event. All right, here we go. 24, 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also shall uh, so shall also the coming of the son of man be now stop right here almost everyone in the evangelical world immediately grabs these words and go boom the sum the the coming of the son of man has to be referring to the second coming has to be referring to the second coming Now, preterists will say, no, 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 the coming of the Son of Man refers to the coming of judgment in 70 AD, that Jesus, in a sense, came in in by bringing judgment upon Israel, all right? But here's what I want you to say. So, in the days of Noah, now, people do crazy things with that, Right? In the days of Noah, then they'll go back to to Genesis six and they'll say, Wait a minute, yet the sons of God, daughters of men, this was angels having relations with Fallen angels having relations with the daughters of men, and and the, and then the, the the seed was corrupted, and they and they go into all of these things, and i will try to say that, that things are going to be just like that. It's going to be just like that when we get to the end times, and people have constantly said we're we're in the days of Noah, we're in the days of Noah. We're in, I, I've heard that said now. It feels like my entire Christian life. In the late '80s, it, we were in the days of Noah. In the '90s, we were in the days of Noah. Noah. In the 2000s, we we're in the days of Noah. Starting in 2010, we we're in the days of Noah. Starting in 2020, we we're in the days of Noah. 2021, we were in the 2022. Every time I turn around, I'm being told we're in the days of Noah, over and over and over and over and over and over. And they look at that that we're in the days of Noah, and they look to the wickedness. They're like, this is referring to that that it's going to be like in the days of Noah, it's going to be the same wickedness. But is that what this is really saying? Look at what, what how it reads. But as in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For, for as in, now it describes those days. Let's see what it points to. Does it point to the wickedness, to the sin, to the rebellion? No, it says for as in those days that, that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall this coming of the son of man be. It doesn't seem to be that the days of Noah is a direct reference to the wickedness of the time. It seems to be a direct reference to the indifference of the time, not the wickedness of the time, but the indifference. They're just drinking, giving in marriage. They're just living their lives. They're not not worried about any warning. They're not worried about a flood. They're not worried about a judgment. They're just living their lives. There's an indifference. They're not worried. They're not concerned. They're not bothered. Does the days of Noah describe the wickedness of the time, or does it describe the indifference of the time? Now, could that describe the people leading up to 70 A.D.? Did they heed the warnings of Jesus? Did they listen to Jesus, tell them to all, look look for all these signs and then the, the temple's gonna be destroyed? Were they all ignoring it? I think that's important. Now look at what happens here. Then two shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Now, how many people view this is they believe this is a reference to the rapture. This is a reference to the rapture, that what's going to happen, it's going to be very wicked like in the days of Noah. It's going to get so bad. Then Jesus is going to come back in a secret rapture. And here's what's going to happen. There's going to be two people in the field. One's going to be taken and the other's left. One's going to be there and the other one's going to disappear. Right? It's going to be gone. Maybe the clothes clothes are left there folded. However you see it in, in whichever rapture movie you've watched, okay? The, okay, another one's going to be grinding in the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Now, wait a minute. Here's what I want you to take. The one that is taken, is this taken away to heaven? Or is the one taken there referencing someone who's going to be taken in judgment? We everyone reads this like one is going to be taken, and like they're going to be swept away in and saved. But it, it's referenced the flood. The one taken seems to be like the one's going to be one's going to be taken. Boom, like taken away in judgment, and one's going to be left. Like we just immediately read that that the one taken there is the one saved the one the one delivered from danger delivered from destruction is that the correct way to read that now what happened in 70ad were some left and some taken and, destro- and destroyed are the ones taken in 70ad were they delivered and the ones left were the uh, were the ones left were the ones who were judged I mean, it's just odd that right in the, I mean, everything leading up to this is, is, I mean, you could, I mean, clearly the context in Matthew 24 is the 70 AD. So all of a sudden Jesus, like in the, it's going to be like in the days of Noah. That to me is not a reference to the wickedness. It's a reference to the indifference. They're just marrying, drinking. Nobody's worried. They're going on with their life. They're like, you know, I can't worry about marriage. Can't worry about eating and drinking. I need to be worried about survival. No, 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 no. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody's worried. And then all of a sudden it says, look what happens. And look at verse 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. The the taking away is connected to the flood, taking them away. The ones taken away are the ones who drown, right? So then it says there'll be two in the field and one shall be taken. The one taken is it's described by the ones taken away in the flood. The ones taken are the ones that are going to be judged. They're going to be destroyed, not the ones raptured. So I don't think this has anything. So is this a reference to 70 AD? Now, I'm doing a little bit of teaching. My goal here was not to do any teaching. I was just going to give you the assignment. So let's go through them. All right, let's go through them, All right? Let's go through them. Verse 24, 14, write it down. Was was this 24, 14 fulfilled prior to 70 AD? Find the arguments that say it was, find the arguments that say it wasn't, and then just summarize them. I don't need to know every argument. I don't need to know every source. Just summarize them. If you want to write down your sources for a later reference, it's always a smart thing to do so that if you ever need to look up anything about it, you'll remember your references. But look, find as many as you can find. That's 24, 14, verse 24, 15, the abomination of desolation. Find the cross reference in Daniel and then ask yourself, was the abomination of desolation, did it, was it fulfilled in 70 AD? If so. All right, now you've got two verses that if both of them were fulfilled prior to 70 A.D., then this is not a transition. However, if neither of them were fulfilled in 70 A.D., this may be a transition where the rest of the book is now going to point to the future. You see why we're doing that? All right? then verse 34. All these things are going to happen. Uh, this generation shall not pass till the, all these things are fulfilled. Well, what generation is that referring to? What's the different ways of understanding the generation? That generation at that time, so all of this was fulfilled in 70 AD, or not that generation, just some unknown generation in the future when they begin to see these signs. But which signs Which signs do they see that defines that generation? Because clearly, Matthew 24, starting in verse 4 and following, those signs can't define the generation because every generation have seen, has seen those signs. So you, then you're going to have to limit to which signs defines that generation. Now, then we go to the days of Noah. Now, when it describes the days of Noah, is it describing wickedness or is it describing indifference, that just life is carrying on as normal? Nobody is worried about anything. Then, boom, the flood came and took them away. So then when it describes these people that were taken away, is is it not referencing people being taken away to heaven and delivered? It seems to be referring to people who are going to be taken away in judgment. Is that a reference to 70 A.D.? we always, re, we, we always hear this, you know, don't be left behind. Don't, I mean, remember the book, don't be left behind. Uh, the famous, uh, uh the famous contemporary Christian song. Uh, I wish we were all, uh, I wish we were all, I wish we would have all been ready. I think, was that Larry Norman? I, I think so. I wish we would have all been ready. And it's the idea that the ones don't be left behind. The ones left behind here, they're, they're the ones are going to be judged. But if you go back to the previous verse, the take, the ones taken away were the ones caught in the flood. So how do you understand that? There you go. Just a little bit of homework on a Thursday afternoon, right? Now, I've tried not to, I've given a lot of homework, but I'm trying not to give too much because I know this can get very overwhelming because this is a long time. Just remember, you're not in a, you've got plenty of time. We've got weeks and weeks. We're going to be working through this, right? Weeks and weeks. We're going to be working through this. So take your time, all right? Just think about it. I'm, I'm not trying to have you write any lengthy thing out. You know, I'm not. this is just basic. Th- I'm just trying to get you to focus on these specific passages because they're going to be key to whatever conclusions we come to, all right? And remember, I like to teach like I don't know a conclusion or I don't know the answer because I like us to work together to find the answer. But on Sunday night, we will go through a part of this from a preterist point of view, using preterism. And, and we're going to just see if it works. But I'm giving you a head start to start thinking about, well, does that work? Does that not work? But I think we have to radically change the way we approach the Days of Noah section there. I think that has been greatly mishandled and 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 very depressing and frustrating that I didn't catch on to a lot of that early on in my Christian life, and now I realize, wait a minute, what is this actually saying again? we have got to re- learn to read. That's why I, I tried to demonstrate that to you yesterday when we looked at the curriculum. The curriculum almost pre-programs your brain to see us. You know, Bible uh, Bible study guides, devotional guides, even pastors almost kind of they, they 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 corrupt your brain in the sense they they program it to think a certain way. And then you see the text based off the way they tell you you should see it. And we've got to just learn to look at the text and, and set aside all of those ideas and, and pre-programming that happens to our brain so that we see what everyone tells us is there. Very, I mean, you, you just talk to your average Christian and you challenge Matthew 24, the days of Noah, as not referencing uh, – in that section there, not referencing the rapture. Many of your Christian friends will think you're absolutely out of your mind and heretical. You're like, no, uh, look at the text, but I'll let you tell me what you find. All right, there you go. Now, I'm going to check first Discord. No messages in Discord. Then I'm going to open the Spreaker app to make sure there's been no more messages here. Okay, Uh. whoa. Okay. Okay. There there was a lot more here. Okay. Someone said, uh, Noah was the only uh, righteous man. Okay. Well, uh, true. Um, While uh, with the ark, the one left was Noah. True. Um, He was left. See, it depends on how you read this because the text in Matthew 24 says the ones taking away were the ones taken away in the flood. See, see. there's going to be some struggle with this. In fact, if you go back to Matthew 24, um, uh, for as in the days they were b- uh, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the, uh, into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Taking all away are all those who were just eating and drinking. That That's who was taken away. The ones were taken away by the flood. Okay, so the ones left is Noah and his family, they're the ones left. they're the ones who survive. So how, how, do, you, how do you how do you see that? So hope trying to be here's what you should probably do. Matthew 24 uh, 39. look up every English translation. And see if they all speak of the people who were eating and drinking are the ones that's taken away. So let's make sure that. All right. Um, Okay. Good. And I think there's no other. Oh, hang on. Uh, Someone said uh, slightly overwhelmed. Okay. Um, I I, here's what I would say. If you please do this, and I, I mean this to everyone. Uh, either email or discord. If you're overwhelmed, if you're having some problems, if you're confused, if things are kind of just discombobulated, you don't know where to go, you don't know where to start, you just specify exactly where your issue is, what you need, what would help you, what will clarify things. Do you need me to focus on one specific thing? You tell me what you need to do. I'll turn this microphone on as soon as I can. And we will talk about it and we will work to get everyone on the same page. All you got to do is discord or email or in the YouTube comments. And I I will do, I will like, okay, I will will turn the microphone on and just ignore everything else we've talked about and said, we're going to focus on this because someone has this issue or they're overwhelmed about this. You tell me what you're overwhelmed about, and we will definitely work to f- figure it out. A lot of people are overwhelmed trying to figure out how to do a chapter summary method on Matthew 24. <laughs> and see, that's why I was trying to have people do chapter summary methods prior to Matthew 24, because I knew that it was going to be a-, a difficult one. So whatever your issue is, you let me know, and we will work together to get you through it. All right? And you it's Thursday. You really have till Sunday evening before we start working on Matthew twenty four again. I'm probably not going to do any more Bible study exercise uh, broadcast until Sunday evening. All right. Uh, okay. All right. I can understand that. Someone said that uh, they just need to focus on one assignment at a time, so I might be a bit behind. That's okay. Don't worry about being. You're not behind. I'll make it very clear. We started a week early. If you remember, we started a week early. So we're not behind. We're way ahead of schedule. We're way ahead of schedule. So if you've done anything, we were supposed to take uh, for the Bible study exercise. If you look at the curriculum, we we're supposed to take a week for a special focus study, and I skipped the special focus study to get us right into Matthew twenty-four. So we are not behind. Take your time. If look when if we get to the end. And the curriculum says we need to move on to another subject. We'll if we need to stay in Matthew twenty four, we'll keep a Matthew twenty four study going, and then slowly introduce the next study. So we we will we will do whatever whatever you need. Like th- this program is for you. This program is for you. So you tell me what you need, and I will make it happen. You need extra broadcast? You get them. You need me to not do any broadcast? I'll stop. You need clarification? I'll, you just tell me. I mean, literally, you know think of the students control the school. You control it. You tell me what you need. That's what you get, right? You need extra, you get extra classes. You need me to stop. I'll stop doing broadcasts, whatever you need. All right. Cause I didn't design this for my benefit. Now I benefit greatly from this talking about this, talking through this. I mean, I, man, I'm the one who benefits the most from this because I've got to try to process all of this. But this is for you. This is for anyone out there who wants to really study the Bible. That's the whole point of the the Bible study exercises, all right? That's the whole point here is to try to find people out there who really want to dig in, who really want to study. I wish there were more people who wanted to do that. But we're, I mean, that's why we do the curriculum. We got the Bible memory. And you notice I haven't done anything with the Bible memory app because I'm trying not to give you too much. But... uh You've, you got plenty, you got plenty to work on. Okay. And if you need any help, and if you're if you're struggling or trying to figure something out, please post it in the Discord channel. Let people see what you're struggling with. Because I guarantee you, when you're like, I don't understand this, you know what you're going to immediately get in the Discord channel? I'm with you. I'm struggling with the same thing. Well, then both people talk about those struggles, and then guess what happens? They help each other. Right. So whatever we got to do. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We'll see what the rest of the day holds, all right? Just uh, have the Church One app and be ready for notifications. All right, everyone have a great day. God bless.